So today what I'd love to do is actually just share a couple of songs with you about my journey and, uh, and then some stuff around mental well-being because that's kind of my, um, my big journey. So is that cool? Yeah. It's nice to be here. I feel kind of at home actually with you guys back in Auckland. It's nice to be home. Um, we spent a lot of lockdown in um, Mount Ruapehu and then further down south and wherever we went... Um, if you said you're from Auckland, you know, people were like, Ooh. I mean, they don't like us anyway, but it was a bad, it was not great, yeah. And uh, we got on the, <laughs> hey, it wasn't good. Normally they hide their disdain just a little bit behind a veneer, um, pretending to be Christians, but they didn't bother. It was like, oh, gloves are off, we hate you, you know. And um, we went down to a, um, a trip to Marlborough Sounds, which is beautiful. And on the way, I said to Michael, make sure if anyone says where you're from, don't say you're from Auckland, because we hadn't been in Auckland for quite a long time. And so therefore, they would let us in without you know, needing gas masks and stuff. And um, so I was like, don't say anything. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we get on the ferry, and a lady goes, so where are you from? I said, Auckland. <laughs> She's like, oh. Oh, what a muppet. Anyway, so it's nice, it's nice to be home, to feel a little bit more love. I, I bring you greetings from Massey. Um, what's up? Um, yeah. Any Westies in the house? I may or may not be carrying a knife. I'm kidding. Of course I'm carrying a knife. Um, you'd be mad not to. But anyway, it's so lovely to be here. Um, it's nice. I remember I'd like to share a song with you that I did first off when I was in Nelson, top of the top of the South Island, and I was in a church, and it didn't have, you guys have got lovely lighting here, you've got the nice lighting making me look younger, and you know, um, I'm, I'm in the glow, uh, but some places are different, they've just got, you know, the fluorescent lights, you know, just those, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's just like, everything looks terrible, you know, first thing in the morning, Sunday morning, you know, I was sitting down, and there was this guy sitting like right there, it was about that close but under the fluorescent lights and I started my song, this is a little while ago I've probably gained um, in a little bit of confidence since then but you know you'd sit down with an audience and think oh my gosh, do they, do they like me? Do they hate me? What are they thinking? You want to get in their little brains but then you don't really because you don't really want to know you know, I don't want any feedback unless it's positive, you know, and so this guy and he sat basically where you guys are sitting here today and he gave me just what I would refer to as the death stare you know that look, he had this like this big South Island beard and this kind of gruff look about him and he's just like stink eye I think they call it <laughs> he's just like this, now during my whole song I tried to keep up an air of confidence, but I was terrified. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong? He hates me. I don't know, it's just like... And the whole thing, I think, ah, you know, and inside I'm crying. And anyway, later I get to the end of the song and I say, oh, thank goodness I can sit down and, and he's not going to stare at me anymore. And I went to the back and I had a CD table with some CDs set up there and, and uh, I saw him coming my way and I was like, ah. I don't know what it is he doesn't like about me, but I think I'm about to find out. <laughs> anyway, he comes a little closer. And as he got a little closer, I talked a lot about my journey. I talked about, you know, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety. I talked about dealing with heartbreak. I talked about some pretty honest stuff. And that's quite scary to do when someone's giving you the stink eye, you know. And sometimes it's hard to let down your guard because you think, if I let down my guard and I'm not staunch or I'm not put together, or I'm not controlled. What are people going to think of me? And, you know, it can be really, really scary to talk about how you feel. One of our biggest messages around mental wellness, around mental health, is if you need help, ask for help. I've got bad news. When I need help, 
I can't because I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't want to let down my guard and I feel frightened. So today we're here to say, it's okay. It's okay to admit that you're not okay. It's okay to say, you know what? I love what you said about redemption. God doesn't waste stuff. God doesn't go, oh, whoops, it easy. We'll just ignore that little bit. God goes, let's use it. Let's take it. Let's redeem it. Let's make it into something useful, something beautiful. So as this guy came up to me and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, my contribution was worthless to him. But he came a little closer. He came a little closer. As he got a little closer, I noticed that running down the side of his face was a tear just coming down. I was like, whoa. Was I that bad? <laughs> and he's like, no. And he comes up closer and he goes to me, Julia, said, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, bro, a little bit of feedback during the song just would have been so helpful. But thank you. You know, today it's okay to have a little tear. It's okay to have the laughter. It's okay to break down the barriers. We are all the same. We all deal with our mental wellness. We all deal with stuff. And you know what? None of it is going to be wasted. So I want to start with a song uh, called The Beautiful Survivor. And the song says, I'm always on your side, even when you struggle. Sometimes in the middle of the struggle, it's like, oh, this sucks. This is awful. This is, this is a waste. But I want to encourage you that it's in our struggle that we find strength. Give me a little nod if there's something in your life that you found difficult, but you kind of wouldn't want to give it up because it kind of made you who you are today. I wouldn't be doing this today if I hadn't been through the things I'd been through. The struggle was horrible at the time. You know, then they go, oh, this is fun. This was not fun. But guess what? It strengthens us. It brings something from the inside of us out to go, you know what, I'm going to... oh. I'm going to take this with a bit of grit. I'm going to learn from my experiences. So I'm going to just get Michael to move those bits out of the way. Thank you, babe. Alright, we good? If you start falling asleep while I'm speaking, I've got a few little... Um, what you can do is you can just cross your arms and you can count how many ribs you have with your fingers or if you want to spice things up you could count how many ribs the person next to you's got <laughs> alternatively you can use your tongue to count how many teeth you've got or if you want to spice things up no I'm kidding <laughs> uh, all right struggle <laughs> Sometimes the night is so deep, you just cannot sleep for all that's around me. Everything sits, circles in you feel like you're drowning. But here in the shadow, you know I won't leave you alone. Thank you. 
dealing with depression and anxiety and I actually started writing the song to God and then it kind of morphed into being um, to Michael which works out quite well because when he lets his hair down he looks a lot like Jesus um, yeah I know you can, you can borrow him for your um, I was going to say Christmas musical but that's the wrong end of the spectrum probably more for an Easter one um, sometimes in the night I think I'm having a vision <laughs> I'm like oh is that you Lord but that's no, just him um, <laughs> idea that, you know, when we need help, um, as, as people of faith, you know, we, we do, we reach out to God, but don't forget the people God gave us. You know, sometimes we close ourselves off from the arms of the whanau that would embrace us. We've heard people who, you know, have talked about those in their, in their circles that they may have lost, you know, they may have lost to, to mental health struggles or, or to, to suicide even, and they said, man, if only I knew only they'd let me in. And on one side, you've got someone thinking, oh, I don't want to bother them with my problems. I don't want to burden them with all my issues. And on the other side, we've got someone going, come on, man, let me in. Let me know. I want to encourage you that when you find safe places and safe faces, don't treat them lightly. Allow them in. Allowing them into your pain, allowing them into your disappointments, allowing them into your celebrations, laugh with them, cry with them, hug them, pat them on the back, give them a telling, telling off if they need it. <laughs> you know, sometimes being honest with people is actually one of the best things that we can do. And it's very frightening, I know. But actually what it does is it creates trust. Because it says, you know what, I don't have this all together. I'm a hot mess. So are you. Let's be friends. <laughs> you know, you feel that, that beautiful feeling. So... When I deal with when I deal with depression and anxiety, you know, as part of my world, you won't hear me talking about fighting it or beating it or winning against it. It's just something that I deal with and I manage. Some days I wake up and depression is really big in my world. And I have to do a lot of self-care. I have to get all the tools out of the toolbox and really look after myself. 
I need to take my medication. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm seeing some people and being honest and open. Other days I wake up and it's really small in my world and I just get on with my day and that's totally fine. But the problem is when depression is big in my world, I have a habit of hiding. Anyone else a runner away? Yeah. <laughs> There's two types of people in any room. There's the fighters and the flighters. If I yelled fire, um, which there isn't one, don't panic. Um, don't follow me because I probably wasn't listening when they did the, you know, um, I'm more of a big picture kind of a girl. But you'd have a few people who would be like, their first reaction would be, oh, I'm going to fix this problem. Who would do something about it? <laughs> Nobody. Great. Okay. Now you have a. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. They have to. Yeah. Um, so you get a few people whose first reaction is to do something about it. Most people, their first reaction is to get out of there as fast as they can. They, they want to run away and hide. Nothing wrong with that. You're simply trying to, you know, save your life. There is actually a third reaction called freeze. There's a movie called Rango. Has anyone seen Rango with their kids? And there's this chicken called Beans. And she's like a little lizard. And if you give her a fright, she goes... <laughs> like that, she goes into a little freeze mode. Sometimes when things go wrong, we don't even know what to do. Hey. But when I tend to, when depression's big in my world, I tend to go quiet. Now, I don't run away with my feet so much. I run away with my emotions. I stop answering messages. I tend to say no to things that I would normally say yes to. I tend to just kind of retreat into my little shell and go, it's all too hard. It's all too much. And that's the times when I can't reach out, but those who are around me, I give them permission to reach in, into my world. Who are those people that you can trust? You don't need heaps, just one or two. Some people, and you know, when we find those safe places and those safe faces, it's incredibly beautiful because they can say, you know what, I'm gonna come to you if you can't come to me. And so the song's called Why, I guess my frustration with my inability sometimes to reach out and how I find it in one another. I try to hide my thoughts from you Who knows my mind And understands me on my darkest day Why do I try to run from you Who points me to the sun And shows the stars to light me on my way Why am I afraid to say you were
some CDs for sale out the back there. Uh, I have made a few different albums and uh, I've actually been involved in the Music Awards a few times which I have a love-hate relationship with. <laughs> it's a big room full of a lot of insecurity. Um, and yeah, but I was actually able to give an award. I um, presented an award and I received a TUI award for my first album. And uh, I'm just going to do that. Uh, Helen Clark gave me my award. She said, congratulations. Um, which was exciting and frightening at the same time. <laughs> Bit of a highlight, but um, yeah, those are available out the back. Thank you, babe. So first what I want to do is just very quickly um, kind of reiterate, I guess, our position. So Mike and I travel around New Zealand and <laughs> overseas when they let us. Um, but speaking about mental well-being and mental health, and I just want to put a couple of statistics up on the screen for you, which I think are good to sort of set the scene a little bit. So first of all, um, according to the Mental Health Foundation, one in two New Zealanders will meet the, the criteria for a mental health diagnosis in their lifetime. Doesn't mean they'll get it, but they could. They're at that point where they could actually get a diagnosis for the state of mind that they're in. But unfortunately, 49% um, of churches, and I feel like the stat is improving, this is a couple of years old now, but have said that they really or never mention mental health. The first time I heard mental wellness talked about in church was when I was talking about it. Basically, I was dealing with it myself. Um, I was dealing with depression, I was dealing with anxiety, and my kind of modus operandi is just to talk about whatever's going on in my life at the time. And so I was speaking at an event and they said, do you want to, um, you know, do you want to come and talk? What do you want to talk about? I was like, well, I'm depressed, let's talk about that. Um, so <laughs> we got in amongst it. And actually, it was really cool to be able to talk about some of the tools and the things that I use to actually work around my mental wellness. Now we use a wonderful, wonderful model. Who's familiar with this model? Te Whare Tapafa. Oh, great, okay. So this is a wonderful model that talks about the fact that in each one of us, there's more than one kind of facet. And it uses the walls of the whare or the walls of the house. Uh, taha, taha tinana, our physical health, how important our physical health is to our well-being. You know, sometimes when we're in a church setting, people are like, oh, well, it's just all about spiritual, you know. Because I'm not from around here. I'm just passing through. Remember that song? This world ain't my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just off to heaven, and then I'm just floating around. And like, I understand what they're trying to say, but I'll say, stub your toe and come back to me. It hurts, right? So how we treat our body does have a massive effect on how we deal with our well-being. We've got tahina um, ngaro, our mental and emotional health. What's going on behind the scenes? Why do we react the ways we react? What is happening in that? Those are so important. Um, we've got tahafano, our relationships. Who knows that if you're living in a situation where somebody is bullying you, somebody is putting you down, somebody is eroding, someone's standing outside your whare, throwing rocks at your relational wall, you're not gonna be feeling too good in there. 
The health of you is more important than just one thing. And sometimes I think we need to walk around those walls and say, how's my mental health? How's my physical health? How's my emotional? You know, how's my relationships? And finally, tahawairo, how is my spiritual health? Now in church, sometimes we build one big spiritual wall and that is really, really important. I'm not here in any way to denigrate or break that down. But I do also understand that sometimes we pray for things that we could do ourselves. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> We're kind of cold in the room there. Oh Lord, make me fit. Oh, if only there was a way I could get fit. Just speak the spirit of fitness all over me. Cast off the fat. <laughs> you know. Or I could go for a walk. One of the gifts that God has given us is our common sense and the ability to use those things. So not one elevated above the other, but all in together. Now, we believe that mental wellness issues are reasonable, universal, and manageable. First of all, they make a lot of sense. This is a classic Kiwi thing. People come up and they tell me their big, long story about all the terrible things that have happened and the challenges, and then they're like, oh, but, but you know, oh, oh but, but I'm fine, I'm okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's just take a minute to acknowledge how difficult that is. It makes sense to me that you'd be dealing with these things. It makes sense to me that your brain's gone, too much information, I'm switching off. It makes sense to me that your sympathetic nervous system is going like, I am carrying too much. I'm just going to flick some switches and let you have a chill out. It makes sense to me. Secondly, universal, we're all on a spectrum of well-being. I like to talk about mental wellness, not so much about mental illness, although 100% there are diagnosable mental illnesses, but this wonderful spectrum that we are all on. And it can change. It could change in the course of a day, a week, a year, a lifetime. You know, things change in our world. There's always someone who's like, I don't need to hear about this, Julia. I'm really well. Well, you can always get weller. Because you can tell a weller woman. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. By the way, ironic coming from you, Glenn, but by the way she wears her hair. By the way she wears her hair. And of course, in the wonderful words of Rachel Hunter, it won't happen overnight. Uh, Some of you young ones are looking at me like, what the heck? Talk to your mother. We're all on a spectrum somewhere, and we can all deal with it. And finally, great news, manageable. There's so many tools in the toolbox. Knowing that you're feeling a little burnt out, a little bit pressured, a little bit depressed, a little bit of anxiety. It's not the end of the road for you. What it means is you might have to manage that. You might have to look after your health a little bit better, but it doesn't matter. That's okay, just like any other health issue. Now, we, um, my message that I gave last time, I, I think I did, I was going to call my message Julia Grace and the F-words, but I've been told it's not appropriate, so it's definitely not called that. Um, but we had a bunch of things that started with the letter F, were tools in the toolbox that I used to do that. Now, it was last June, so I doubt whether anyone remembers any, but um, does anyone remember any? Or you can guess. They were tools beginning with F. Right. Fun. Very nice. You need a um, a crunch bar. We had fun. We had faith. We had fullness. We had whānau. I know what you're thinking. All right. We had fitness. We had pharmaceuticals. (laughs) It's a great place for doctors and medication. I'm so grateful for them and the way that they've helped me in many of my health struggles. Um, We've got forward focus. We've got food. 
da-da. <laughs> Sorry, I'll let's, let's just brush over that one. All these amazing tools that really help to support our mental wellness. But today what I want to focus on is a very, very special one, and that's thankfulness. <laughs> I know I'm really pushing the envelope here. But you know, gratitude or thankfulness is an incredible tool. But what it can be used as is like this kind of like gimmicky, oh, you just need to count your blessings. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> you know, it's not that simple. But it is actually a really beautiful, powerful tool. Now, like all the tools, one tool doesn't fix everything. You can't just pick out one thing and I'm just going to do that and then I'm going to be fine. No. Because we're dealing with complex issues. We're dealing with mental wellness issues. Every breath we take is a mental wellness issue, right? If you're smiling, it's a mental wellness issue. It's quite a nice one. But, you know, these are all things that we deal with, but many, many tools. Now, what does the scripture say? And I've picked out a scripture from a guy who was a musician. Um, his name was David. He is a creative. If anyone lives with a musician or a creative person, you'll know. They're all nuts. You know, up and down, up and down, crazy. Oh, I've got great ideas. Oh, I'm in the depths of despair. You know, um, someone says something nice, we're really happy. Someone says something mean, we're just about, you know, under the carpet, just about, oh, it's the end of the world. We are very emotional sometimes. But I like the fact that David was real honest. He didn't just get up and go, oh, life's great, harden up, here's some concrete pills. You know, he was all over the place. He was like, Top of the mountain, depths of despair. And I like his honesty there. So he said this amazing poem, and it's in a book of, of called Psalms, which is basically poems. And he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Your childhood and stuff like this. And so some people are better there than others. You know, some people, you can't even give them a compliment. Everything's Debbie Downer. You know, you're like, oh, you look lovely. And I'm like, oh, this old thing. The roots need doing. You know, yeah, now that you mention it. You know, they, they just bring it down. And it's actually, it, it, it's okay. Because it's part of the process of learning. Now, I had an uncle, a great uncle, actually. He wasn't that great, but he was my great uncle. But his name was Uncle Stanley. Uncle Stanley. I was British. Now, Uncle Stanley had the gift of pessimism. <laughs> he could take any situation and turn it down. You know what I'm saying? So Uncle Stanley and Auntie Dorothy, they lived in England, and they were like there, and they're like, oh, we don't like it here. It's too cold. Oh, we don't like it. We're going to go to live in New Zealand. So they got on a plane, they put their stuff in a boat, and they flew to New Zealand. They got to New Zealand, and they're like, oh, no. Oh, we don't like it here. Too many colonials, you know, too cold. Oh, we don't like it. Fly back to England. <laughs> Go back to England. Oh, no. Oh, we don't like it anyway. They flew back to New Zealand. Now, their stuff was on a boat, so they were kind of passing it. They probably ended up around about the same time. But Now, unfortunately, um, Auntie Dorothy had very high anxiety and a terrible fear of flying. It's a lot of flights for a lady who's got a fear of flying, right? You know, so she'd get very worked up and very anxious. And Uncle Stanley, he had somehow convinced her that the only thing holding this plane up in the air was one little pin. 
And on the plane, on the flight, if she started to look even the slightest bit relaxed, you know, if she started to maybe close her eyes a little bit, feel a little bit like, you know, enjoying the, the, the moment, and that he'd just nudge her and he'd go, one little pin. <laughs> just to really get her going. Horrible man, he's dead now, anyway. But we went round to his house, and he's like, come and... It wasn't, he just made it up, he just basically was like... <laughs> It's not real, don't <laughs> you can use that, alright. <laughs> anyway, we went round to his house, he's like, come around, come on, we've bought some new things. Now this is like a move of God, because he's so stingy, they don't buy anything. He's like, come to my house, I bought new stuff. So we came to his house, and he's like, oh, we've got a new couch. So we come in and we get the new couch, we walked in and we saw the couch, oh, beautiful new couch. But of course they didn't want anyone to wreck it. So they kept the plastic cover all over it. Yeah? Now it's sitting in the sun, you know, you sit down on it. It was like, you get like, you know, beads of sweat running down the back of your leg, third degree burns. As you stood up, you sort of leave a couple of layers of skin, really interesting. But he's like, no, 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 that's not all. We've got new carpet. I was like, wow. You're really splashing out now. And he goes, come and see me new carpet. So they opened the door and they showed us a new carpet. Oh, beautiful. But of course, they didn't want us to wreck it. So they got this kind of plastic matting stuff that old nanas and that used to have. You know, you know on the bottom, it's all spiky. Right. You turn it over and stand on, it's like standing on Lego or some yeah. kind of shifty mat or something. You know, and so they turn it over. And what he'd done is he'd cut circles around the size of a foot. And he'd put them across the carpet leading to the various doorways. So if you wanted to go to the kitchen, you're sort of like across here. And then we'd be like, you know, back here. And, and then, oh, yeah, lovely, off to the bathroom over here. We just, the whole thing was covered look like sort of some kind of fairy mat and then he's like oh that's not all got a new bench top come to the kitchen and I come to, he's like come into the kitchen we're like okay <laughs> <laughs> and we get to the kitchen and we looked in and their bench top was it was made of um, particle board chipboard you know that really cheap stuff looks like wet bags and it's just like the cheapest nastiest had a, a hole cut out for the sink and the taps and I was like uh oh <laughs> you've been uh, you've been had you know and he's like oh he lifts it up underneath. Beautiful. <laughs> Brand new form like a beach top. Oh, come on. Oh, but of course he didn't want anyone to wreck it. So Auntie Dorothy had to use the particle board, put it down. No one was allowed to touch the beach top. He just had a gift of absolutely ruining anything. So we want to be the opposite of him, right? But sometimes it's hard. It's hard to go against the grain. People say, I'll oh, find somebody to be thankful for you. Like, it's actually really, really challenging. So the second thing I want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, about gratitude, it's a practice, not a perfect. If finding things to be grateful for doesn't come naturally to you, don't give up. It's actually something we have to practice. We have to do it over and over. And those people who seem to be all like happy clappy and either they practice a lot or it's naturally coming to them, whatever, don't worry about them. You know, it's like the really fit people at the gym. They're like, just pretend they're not there. Just go and stand next to someone really unfit. Stay in your lane. Hang out with me. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Finding some things. Other people who are honest about how difficult it is. Because practice makes progress. 
And sometimes we've got to do things over and over again. Now, I was dealing with, I spoke last time when I was here about going through real heartbreak. I, I was married 17 years and my husband um, had left me really suddenly. And I was dealing with a lot of disappointment, heartbreak, embarrassment, just as my family was kind of falling apart around my eyes. Um, I was going to say losing the house. I didn't lose it. I know where it is. Um, <laughs> like, because that would be difficult to lose, right? You know, people use euphemisms. My mum used to say, oh, Auntie Kathy had a turn. <laughs> Whose mum says that? I was like, oh, left or right? You know? <laughs> they lost the house. Where was the last place they saw it? I didn't lose it. We had to sell it. But, you know, as my life was decimating down, I remember calling a friend of mine, and I was feeling really rubbish, like awful. No pretending, no like, oh, well, God's going to do something good. I was just like, what the heck? This is awful. And I rang my friend who's a psychologist, and he listened to me you know, for about half an hour. I was like, you know when you're really in pain, you bleed over everybody? It's like someone's cut your arm off, and you're like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You can't help but tell everyone your story. And then the next person you tell them, I remember getting on a plane with a guy when I was really, really sad. I sat down next to him and he goes, how are you? I was like, oh, let me tell you. He instantly regretted asking. <laughs> the la 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 for the rest of the flight. But you tend to sort of let it all out. And we, we, we bleed over everybody and that's fine. And I bleed in my conversation all over. And he goes at the end, he goes, right, I've got, I've got a really good idea for you. This is going to really help. I was like, oh, finally, someone's taking me seriously. Somebody has a solution. What are you going to do? Give me a million bucks or something. You know, you're like, no, 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 no. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the local bookstore. I want you to buy yourself a journal. And every day I want you to write in that journal three things that you're grateful for. <laughs> I was like, what a stupid idea. Like, did you not hear what I was just telling you? Like, my problems are huge and this is your stupid solution. Where did you get your degree? Wait, mix packet? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Gratitude journal, gratitude journal, me, me, me. And he goes, no, 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 I want you to do it. Now, I was brought up in a semi-cult, so when a man tells me to do something, <laughs> I tend to do it. I don't want to do it, so I do it very passive-aggressively. I'm like, <laughs> But generally, I will do as I'm told, right? You, these guys are brought up. You understand. You don't want to. You want to let them know, but you will do it in the end. So I did. I went down to the local bookstore, and I got there, and I thought, I thought, you know what? I'm going to find the smallest diary I can find. <laughs> I had a stupid idea. So I went and I bought this little tiny diary, got a little mini pencil. And I got home, put it next to the toilet. <laughs> stupid idea. You know, the first day I picked it up and I thought, oh, I suppose I better do as I'm told, you know. So yes, you know, man told me. So I opened up the front page and I wrote, I'm alive. Threw it down. Stupid idea. You know. Next day, picked it up. All right. I've got two beautiful children. Put it down. Third day, I picked it up and I wrote, I've got a roof over my head. Now, it wasn't the roof I used to have, it wasn't my beautiful home they had to sell. It was a a rental in Tiaratu Peninsula for some unearthly sum <laughs> on a weekly basis. But it was there. And I had a home. And I was grateful for that. 
And every day as I picked up that little journal, I would write something that I could be grateful for. Wasn't necessarily the best thing. Some days I was really smart, like, I like broccoli or some stupid thing, you know. But often I would find myself making a practice of learning to find things to be grateful for. I got to the back of the journal, I flipped it over, I started from the back and came to the front. And I still keep that thing to this day to remind me that even at my lowest point thus far, there was always one thing that I could actually be grateful for. Now that's nice. Heard about the scripture, heard about my story, but what does science actually say? I'm going to geek out on a little bit of science information now. Because it does the stuff actually work. Because you know, good ideas, you're like, oh, well, that's nice. But really, there is actually excellent science behind this for a couple of really good reasons. So I want to just flick through this. And there's a couple of things that really help. When we express gratitude and we find things to be grateful for, we've got a couple of switches that go on in our body. Firstly, the reward center flicks on. That's the same thing that gives you a little bit of a chemical um, called dopamine. Um, and it goes through your system. It makes you feel good. When you find something you could be grateful for, it actually makes you feel good. You get like a little hit of a nice little chemical in your brain that goes, yeah, that's cool. And it's free and legal. Um, yeah, and it's cool. It's like a little, um, a little yes. And the other thing that it does is it switches off that stress response, that fight or flight response that makes you feel like you're in a panicky mode. It just calms you down. Calm the farm, handle the jandal. It's just like, mmm, it's nice. So those two things literally happen in your brain and your body when you find things to be grateful for. Now, the brain is an interesting thing. I love it. It, Did you know your brain is 2% of your body weight and takes 20% of your energy? It is an energy-hungry monster. Your brain uses so much energy that it's always looking for ways to save energy. It's always looking for ways to be absolutely, you know, kind of go, where have I felt this before? Where have I seen this before? This is why we get biased. We see someone and we go, I know you. Even though you don't know them, we kind of, we judge them. We kind of go, I've been here before. I know what this feels like. And your brain will do those things. And there's two things that your brain does that can really help you when it comes to these things. And the first one, this is a fun one. This is called frequency illusion or the Biden-Menhoff phenomenon. Now this is a Land Rover. We've got a Land Rover like this, an old an old one out there. Ours isn't quite that dirty. But have you noticed there's a thing in the brain that says your brain will see and highlight what it already sees. Now who's ever got a new car and all of a sudden you see them everywhere? You're like, everybody's driving one of these. You got a Suzuki Swift and you're like, oh, look, there's another one, there's another one. And you know, now, are there more Suzuki Swifts than there were before? No, your brain highlights what it already sees. Now, when we bought the Land Rover, I started seeing Land Rovers everywhere. So we had a couple of vehicles. We had the Land Rover and the work van. And um, one day, <clears throat> we pulled up to a intersection. And I looked across and there was a guy next to us in a Land Rover and they kind of did that thing where you wave to other people in the vehicle. Some cars are a bit, you know, bit of a geek, eh? But some cars you wave to the other car. So I looked at the guy in the Land Rover and I was like... And he just looked at me like I was a bit crazy. <laughs> I was like, rude. So I waved again, you know, and I said to Michael, you know, it's quite interesting. And he goes, what, what's wrong? And I, I waved for the third time and this guy just put his window up. <laughs> normally when you 
wave to someone in a Land Rover, they wave back. And he goes, well, it would help if we were driving the Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the whip van. And the guy, you know, probably called the police after that. But what happens is, the brain begins to see things that it already sees. So if you see things that you're grateful for, you will see more of them. It does get easier. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. It's like a little life hack. Now the second one is things, a thing called confirmation bias. Now confirmation bias says, did you read my paper on confirmation bias? Yes, but it only proved what I already knew. Confirmation bias says the brain sees things that support what we already believe. We scan through until we find the bit that agrees with us. Now, Welcome to Facebook. Facebook sees what you Google, sees what you, and feeds you the same information back. And then you think, oh gosh, I'm not the only person to think this. Funny, I feel like everybody sees this. This is how conspiracy theorists start. If you think that your social media feed is telling you what the whole world is thinking, you are fooling yourself. You're in an echo chamber. Because what you believe, you like that, and it gives you more. And we're like, yeah, it's right, everybody thinks this. And then we have an election. <laughs> and we discover that everybody doesn't. Actually, we need to understand that we will find things that make us agree. Now, this is, <laughs> we tend to find things that make us feel like we're not stupid. Because we're like, yeah, yeah. When I was a teacher at school, I remember making, do you remember magic eye pictures? They're like books, and they had like these pictures that were all, you look like you're on a strange acid trip or something, but, and you'd look at them, and then you'd go like that funny with your eye, and then it would turn into a, a picture, apparently. Either that or they're just having us on. But apparently there was a picture in there. Now, I got my class, and I did a little experiment. I, I printed out a picture, and I just got a picture and made it smaller and smaller and times it by, you know, 10,000, and so the, it, the page just looked like a big pattern. And I handed it out to my class, and I said, this is a magic eye picture. What can you see? Now, it was not a magic eye picture. <laughs> there was nothing to see at all. But it was very interesting. They're looking at it and they're like... And then one guy goes... I can see a heart! Guess what? Lots of people started seeing hearts. They're like, oh yeah, 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 I can definitely... Can you see the heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there are a few brave people who just went, there's nothing on this paper. But most people, actually, they wanted to know that what they were believing was true, and so they saw that before. So when we practice gratitude, we harness these patterns. We grab these brain patterns. If you see good, you will see more. If you believe there is good, you will find more, because it will support your point of view. So these are a couple of little brain hacks. But I love this idea that actually the gratitude grows when we practice it more. You do this in your family. You do this with your father. You do this. Teach your children how to look and they will see more of it. Teach them where to put that stuff. Now, this is not all happy, happy roses, roses, everything's nice. Life is not all nice and easy, but there's always something to be grateful for. And it's one of the tools in the toolbox. Now, there was a guy called Paul, and uh, he, he wrote a scripture, and he said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, it'd be easy to look at this and go, well, that's all right for that guy. He must have had a pretty sweet life to be able to say that. No. What are some of the things that Paul, for those of you who know about him, what are some of the things that he went through? He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. <laughs> 
like throw stones at him. Um, <laughs> um, and what else? Anyone else? He was flogged. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was put away in jail simply, actually, for his beliefs. He had a rocky road. And from inside his prison cell or his prison place, he was able to say, in everything, give thanks. Now, notice it doesn't say for everything. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm not grateful for everything that's happened to me. I'm not grateful for the decimation of my family. <laughs> There's things that have been really hard. They're not, they're not cool. There's boundaries and barriers where you're actually not cool, dude. I'm not okay with that. However... Even in the middle of it, I can still find something to be grateful for. So how do we develop a gratitude practice? How do we kind of get this muscle going? Obviously, we've got the, the inward things. You know, the, the things where we take that time and we grab ourselves a gratitude journal. Maybe get a bigger one than I've got. But maybe get a nice one. Something that, that makes sense to you. Might be something that you like. And take time to stop and consider, what am I grateful for today? Maybe one or two or three things, or keep it really easy. Keep it simple. Take some time. Go out, take your shoes off, walk out on the grass. Get your feet into the whenua and understand what it is to stand in nature and go, you know, there's, there's beauty around me. Sometimes we get so caught up in our small world. We get, need to like, get out of there, take a time out, take a break, get away. Just go down to the park, go to the beach, go sit under a tree. It doesn't have to be fancy just needs to be a little bit out. So that's like an inward practice. But secondly, I would encourage you to do an outward expression of gratitude to others. Now I'm going to ask Michael just to come up and we're going to give you a little example. You could try this at home because these are some little things from the $2 shop, I do believe. This is great with kids as well because I think it's cool to have a physical, actual, um, something to look at. Thank you, babe. <clears throat> so we just went and got these little bows. All right. And you can walk around your house and you can actually put these on. And I want to, I want to put these on here. So I'm going to chuck one of these on my guitar. I'm incredibly grateful to my parents for giving me music lessons. All the way through school, everyone else stopped when they were 12. I kept going right through to the sixth form. I was the only person still going to piano lessons when I was 16. But I was so grateful that they, because they didn't have much money, and they invested money into me. Now my dad, every time I see him, he still was like, are you practicing the piano? <laughs> it's kind of my job. But um, he also wants to know if I'm looking after my teeth because I had braces. He's like, oh. But now I ask my daughter that because I have an investment in her mouth and I want to make sure she's looking after it, right? I can't promise you that if you put lots of uh, money into your kids' music lessons that they will end up with a career. You may just be wasting your money, but you never know. Um, it will be worth it if <laughs> they will be enjoying that and learning. But I'm so grateful. For that. Now, secondly, I want to say I'm incredibly grateful that here in this house, in this church, um, as a woman, my voice is heard, um, my value is seen as, as equal. I know that might sound strange to some of you, but there are places still in the world where, um, where certain groups, because of your gender or the colour of your skin or something, you are seen as less than. And, you know, we've, got, we've, we've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. If you're part of a minority in any way, shape or form, I want to encourage you that, you know, find a place like here where you are embraced and find a place where your voice counts. I'm really grateful for that. That's cool. Right, thank you, babe. All right, can I give one to you? <laughs> okay. All right. Michael, I'm incredibly grateful for your patience, 
with me. He sees all the stuff that you don't see. Um, and for you absolutely supporting me through my journey and the honesty of my real journey behind all of this. People see all of this, but of course you deal with the actual crazy woman behind all of this. <laughs> and for that you need a medal. Now, I'm so grateful to have you in my world for your support and your love and uh, we are forging a path together that is pretty different. So thank you. Babe, I want to give this one to you. Thank you for becoming my best friend. And thank you for um, the road that has been um, bumpy, lumpy. And um, actually, should I tell them a story about you going to the gym and joining the uh, ballet classes recently? <laughs> Can you imagine it? I could just close my eyes and see her skipping across the... She couldn't even get her leg up on the, the bar. In my mind, I was a ballerina. It was a long time ago. Another class. <laughs> but I love you, babe. <laughs> and I so appreciate everything that you do for me. Awesome. I want to uh, I want to give one of these to these amazing people here. These two. I'll put it on top of the Priscilla if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, on behalf of these two, I want to thank you for your honesty and your integrity. When I came in this morning and, and we were singing, and I know sometimes it's like, oh well, typical the people in the front row get all the credit. Actually, you guys are really really hard workers, and I want to acknowledge and honour what you are doing here. Coming in today and having the beautiful music in the park, I was like, it was like being at a cool house party. You know you get a big, sometimes you go to bigger parties and they're a little bit like lame. You go to like a good party where they had, you know, it's pumping and you get to know people and you get close to people and you get to have relationships and you're like, those are the good nights. It kind of felt like they're being here this morning. And it was really, really fun and I just see the value of your guys' journey and your honesty in being open about your own experiences. So thank you so much, not only for having us, but for who you are in the wider body. We really, we love you and appreciate you. Thank you. We go to so many places and, um, you know, some places we go and it's, it's really different. Some places we go and we really feel at home. Sometimes it's different and we do feel at home as well. And I think this, this feels like one of those places. So, you know, I've, I've thrown a lot of information at you today and we're like, whoa, that's all a little bit overwhelming. But I want to finish off this morning with one more concept and it's a very, very simple one. And it's the one degree of change. Just the small things. You know, big changes are possible, but they're really hard to maintain. They're very, very difficult to keep going in the long term. We all love a good, you know, who loves that, like an extreme makeover? You know, there was that, that show where they say, move that bus, you know, and they trash the house and build another house. But most of us don't have the time for that. We don't have the energy for that. We, we, we can't go doing that stuff. But what we can do is make small changes. If I stood here and I walked for 500 miles in this direction, I would find myself, um, I don't know where I'm looking, <laughs> somewhere up north. Um, but if I, if I moved one degree to the right, just a tiny little bit, even though the movement is almost imperceptible at the start, if I walked for 500 miles in this direction, I'd end up in a really different destination. The small changes that are sustainable in your world. Taking a little gratitude practice, 
taking something that actually goes, you know what, this could just change the, the background music of my life. It's been an absolute honour to be with you guys this morning. We'd love to stay in touch with you. We've got um, constantly working on and looking at new ideas. I've got my stuff on social media. Um, if you're interested in, in the work that we do, we are looking to expand this into any sort of community space. I'm looking for people with good ideas who go, we need you here, there, or wherever. I'm good at doing this. I'm not good at doing all that stuff. If you've got any ways that you could connect the work that we do with an organisation or um, some people, oh, you should get funding. We don't. We don't get anything. Um, we are supported simply by the work that we do. If you're interested in supporting us and helping, we do have a charitable trust. Um, which we have some wonderful donors who give us a, a weekly or monthly amount just to help to support the work that we do in the background. We would love to talk to you more about that if you're interested. But what I want to do is actually just to pray with you. Now, I'm not going to pray that you uh, suddenly feel super healthy or suddenly pray that you get fit. <laughs> I'm going to pray for strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Because I believe that some of the things are in our own hands, but we need strength. We've got good ideas, you're like, yeah, but we kind of need God to walk with us in that journey. And the hope for tomorrow that the small changes that we make in our own health will take us in the path that we're going to do. And then I'm going to pass back to Glenn after that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've made us incredibly complex. <laughs> Sometimes we don't thank you that much for it, but you know, we, we thank you that we are able to find out more about who we are and, and how we operate. God, I just pray for this beautiful um, congregation, this beautiful group, this beautiful whanau, this beautiful community. God, that you would give them strength today, that as ideas may have been popping up in their head or dropping in, that you would give them really, really cool tips and tools on how to do that, but also hope for tomorrow. Lord, that their, their mental wellness could be improved by some of the care, by some of the people, by some counselling, by some maybe seeing the doctor or the ways that they need to look after their mental health today, that you would give them the courage and the strength to go ahead and access that information. God, I just pray your blessing over this, this amazing group. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.